I mean, I think I think that things are just much worse than most of the parties, any of the parties are actually willing to admit. Nobody or very few people uh, believe that democracy can solve our problems anymore. Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the weekly economics podcast for the final episode of this series where I'm joined by a special guest. It's Mark Sears, Chief Executive of NEF, to talk about economics, democracy, and what we can do to transform our society. Well, do you hate politicians? If you do, party conference season can't be your favourite time of year. I think it's worse when they patronise the, uh, the public and sort of, uh, you know, try and be your chum and your mate. They don't think we understand their lives. They seem to be out of themselves and not the public, you know. Surely twas ever thus. No, and actually it is getting worse. I wouldn't say I hate them, but I feel like sometimes they're not really in touch with, like, the public. It's like Jeremy Kyle for posh people, you know, what all this tit-for-tat shouting at each other. So hello, Mark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So it is party conference uh, season. Uh, party conference season is upon us. Um, not that kind of party, unfortunately, although I'm sure there will be <laughs> lots some. Lots of them. Yes, lots of partying uh, in various parts of the country uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um, and it is also the last episode of our series. So sad, sad times. But thank you so much for taking the time out to um, speak to us in the last episode. Uh, so there are some big issues that you don't think are front and centre of any of the party political agendas right now. What are they? I mean, I think I think that things are just much worse than most of the parties, any of the parties are actually willing to admit. Uh, and I think a sort of confrontation with the reality of the challenges that face us is one of the most important things that we can do. We've got to tell people exactly what's wrong with our economy, with our society, with what's happening to the planet, uh, and most of all, what's happening to our democratic system, which is the way in which we're meant to be able to respond to those challenges. This sounds like it's going to be a, a terrifying podcast already. So you think uh, that part of the problem uh, or parts of the problems with our democracy are rooted in economics. Can you tell us how that works? Yeah, I, well, I always think that we're way back in the 1930s when we were worried about democracy before, people used to say that what was the core of democratic politics and it was that there wasn't a huge gulf between what they used to call the boss and the bosses, you know, the people in charge and everybody else. And I think what we've seen, you know, over the last 30, 40 years or so is an increasing widening gulf. I mean, it's the inequality we've talked about a lot on the podcast before uh, and that people see all around them. And as that inequality gets worse and worse and deeper and deeper, so it becomes much, much harder to run a healthy democratic political system. OK, so what do you think are these kind of results then uh, of all of this inequality for the, that, that create this lack of faith in democracy? I, I mean, I think that the biggest obvious result is that nobody or very few people uh, believe that you know, democracy can solve our problems anymore. And as soon as people get that level of kind of cynicism or scepticism, then there's a sort of cancer at the heart of the whole system, if you like. Unless you have faith that collectively, together, we can use our democracy to overcome the difficulties we're confronted with, then the system itself can't function properly. And that is where I think we are at the moment. OK, so has uh, democracy in this country really ever been any different? I mean, in my lifetime, I can remember sound bites and spin doctors being the order of the day. Hasn't it always just been a bit of a mess? It's always been a mess. I mean, democracy's always got messy elements to it, and it's never been perfect, and it's never been ideal, and we mustn't be nostalgic. 
Having said all that, uh, in the 1950s, for example, there were three million members of the Conservative Party. I mean, three million people uh, of a population smaller than today were actually members of the, you know, the then ruling party. And then if you think about the other side, if you think about the Labour Party, many, many millions of people were members of trade unions who were affiliated with the party. So many more people had a sort of stake, if you like, in the order of the day. And they definitely knew that everything wasn't perfect, that everything wasn't right. But there was a sense that you might have a chance of holding people to account or holding Westminster to account. Uh, and I think that, that has definitely ebbed away over the decades. So, um, as, as you've said there, obviously, Conservative Party membership has, has been in steep decline. But we can also say that uh, the Labour Party is having um, a some kind of renaissance, uh, but also lots of challenges coming along with that. How do you think all that kind of fits into this? I mean, I think everybody ought to welcome the you know increase in uh, Labour Party membership or any political party membership, because I think in order to salvage our democracy and give people hope in uh, the possibilities of change, you need people to be members of political parties or supporters of political parties, knocking on doors and making campaigns. Uh, and I think that you know wherever you stand on the political spectrum, you should say that's a healthy thing for our country. I, I think the challenge is twofold, one of which is... Can it? Can you? Can you make it last? Is this sustainable? Can you get people to not just do it for you know one leadership election or one general election, but can you make sure that you know on a rainy November afternoon, you know people are you know staffing a street stall and having the conversations they need to have? Uh, and let's hope that that does happen. Um, and the other issue is you know can you expand it across the piece? So can you see the other parties grow too? Uh, can you see the Labour Party grow even more? Uh, can you get back to a situation where it was a perfectly normal thing to do to join a political party? Uh, and I think, you know, even though we've had this uh, you know, dramatic growth in Labour Party membership over the last couple of years, um, it still doesn't feel sort of ordinary for most people uh, to sort of click and join a political party, get their party membership and turn up at a party meeting. Personally, I think our democracy will, he will be healthier when more people do that and more people keep doing that. OK, so what do you think a, a functioning democracy would look like in a f future democracy, I guess? I guess I'm going to have a fairly romantic view of it, which is I think that, you know, we live together as citizens in a common society and there are certain problems that we can only solve together that can't be solved individually or through market action. Uh, and politics of some form or another ought to be the process by which we identify what those shared goals are and where we identify how we are going to work together to, to meet them, to overcome the challenges and reach our you know, aspirations. So for me, the heart of democracy is about solidarity. It's about the common uh, pursuit of the common good. It's about people learning to work together uh, to overcome the, the difficulties that they collectively identify. Okay, so practical level, what do we actually have to do together to help rebuild our, our democracy? I think there are two immediate things. First of all, we have to be absolutely clear-eyed and honest about the scale of the problem that confronts us. We mustn't pretend that this is just a fleeting difficulty or that it's always been like this or that somehow trust in democracy will come back. I mean, I think the fact that so many millions of people now lack faith and rightly lack faith in our democracy is the fundamental challenge kind of confronting us. And we need to be able to rebuild that faith and re-engage people. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing is that we have to realise that that's going to be a long and slow and hard process and there's no magic bullet to it, but that it requires us all to start where we can start. In my view, often that's about starting locally, it's about starting in small campaigns, it's about finding a group that stands up for the things that you care about, uh, it's about making change in your own high street or your own workplace, and recognising that it may take several years to build up from a small issue to a national issue to perhaps an international issue. And so do you have any examples 
right now of organisations or movements that are kind of doing this stuff today? I think there's lots of inspiring stuff out there, despite my doom and gloom. You know, and if you look at organisations, just thinking about the Brexit vote, if you look at organisations like Hope Not Hate, that's been doing an incredible job at trying to knit back together communities that have been driven apart, partly by economic inequality, partly by anxieties about immigration, partly just about what's happened in the immediate aftermath of the referendum. And again, the great thing about Hope Not Hate is they realise it's not going to happen fast, it's not easy, and that there's no one group as a straightforward answer but it, it takes time. You've got to build relationships. You've got to get people together. You've got to identify shared purpose. And over time, you can overcome those divisions and rebuild faith uh, in the processes that hold us collectively together. Okay, so they sound exciting maybe at a local level, but how do you use that kind of stuff to transform democracy as a whole? Uh, I mean, again, I think, I mean, that is the biggest, ch- if, I, if I'm honest, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah? How do you scale up from these great experiments we see locally to what happens at the nation state level and then what happens globally too? My short answer is patience and slowness. And I think one of the problems for those of us who are desperate for solutions is that we want solutions now. But in my view, those solutions are going to be hard won and slow. Barack Obama always used to say, power doesn't give up its stranglehold easily. You know, it takes a while for us to build strength and build movement and build power. And what we need is sort of patient, long-term commitment to those causes, rather than looking for it to be sorted out fast. So I know a little bit about, about technology uh, as well as now economics. So thank you very much for, uh, for giving me this opportunity to learn from all of your wonderful uh, team. Um, people um, want solutions now. Uh, and tech is certainly uh, a thing that kind of has created the idea that you can get solutions right now, uh, on-demand kind of economy. How does that kind of stuff fit into all of that? Yeah, I think there are both huge you know, ch- opportunities and huge challenges from tech. And I think, we again, we've got to be clear-eyed about both. I mean, the opportunities are that people can come together over boundaries that used to separate them much more easily. Uh, you could find people, you know, wherever around the world who are already in solidarity with you through, you know, sort of uh, digital communication, which wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30 years ago. The obvious challenge are a lot of these um, you know, digital platforms, technology companies are monopolies or oligopolies. Uh, who in the long run have the power to exacerbate inequality, to make it worse as, as well as to make it better. So we need a really strong uh, view about the possibility of, of you really getting a sense of how you can direct these technological changes in a way which overcomes inequality, brings people together uh, and creates democratic opportunities, not crowds people out. Wrestle this, the search engine optimization from Google's cold, dead hand. So, tough CEO question uh, now, Mark. What is Neff doing about all of this? Well, we're, we are getting to a position, I think, where we have a, a new agenda for change, uh, which is across all of these pieces of work, which is about you know, local community change, uh, the democratic opportunities with organizations like Hope Not Hate, responses to Brexit, uh, an opportunity to reinvigorate the local economy and then move from the local economy to the national, to take on uh, monopolistic tech companies, to build campaigns across the piece. And our, our, our mission 
is to unveil uh, much of that agenda uh, on October the 11th this year, after party conference season. All the parties have their chance to say what they think. We will come out and we'll say what we think uh, are the necessary first steps uh, for reinvigorating our democracy, uh, for helping to save our planet, uh, and to make sure that we build a new economic system that works for everybody. Okay, well, actually, that was a, a nice message to end on and not as terrifying as I thought it was going to be, Mark. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. And we, uh, I'm sure we'll all be looking forward to what Neff has to say uh, on October the 11th and beyond. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. might have been the best one I've ever done. I should fall off my bike every day. (laughs) (laughs) So um, thank you very much for listening. We are now on holiday for a few weeks, uh, but we'll be back with a very special six-parter in the autumn, so stay tuned. Uh, In the meantime, you can listen to our awesome, very awesome back catalogue with lots of great special guests. And if you really want to make me happy, uh, you could go to iTunes or wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts, leave us a review, tip us over the 100 review mark. I'm no economist, but I believe we just need two more and then we'll be at 100. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you very soon. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.